Hello, everybody, and welcome to a special episode of the Sam's Report. Uh, today is August. What is it's August fourth? Jeez, uh, significant milestone in the month of August, but not what I'm probably thinking or you're thinking. I have no idea. But uh, there's a solar eclipse. <laughs> I'm really pumped about this on August 21st, so I'm kind of counting down the days to that. But um, other significant milestones, this is the 100th episode of this podcast. I I don't know. I mean, I figured obviously you're going to get there at some point. It's taken me a little over two years doing it once a week. It's not too hard to do the math on that. 52 weeks in a year, you do one per week roughly, and you get to about 200. Uh, Taking a couple weeks off here and there, just random times. But this is episode 100 and as always, very appreciative of everybody tuning in, listening to my rambling and all that good stuff and, and honestly providing feedback. This show has been significantly shaped by reader feedback from different segments such as tip of the week at the end of the show, um, the technology that has been used, the the style of this, and quite, quite honestly, my vernacular while talking on the podcast, I, I used to say and do different things that would annoy people and while i cannot be perfect and it's impossible not to have ums and pauses here or there these things do happen but but it's feedback and i try to always be you know half glass full if somebody's giving you feedback as long as it's not like hey you're an ass don't ever do this again i i really do try to genuinely take it to heart and try to find the constructive angle to improve upon with things and so as always guys thanks for that a couple things I've learned along the way. Uh, lighting makes all the difference. And as I was just talking about pre-show, I'm, I might change up the camera here. I don't know. I have a, a knackering of, of tinkering with things. Right now, I'm using a Logitech uh, C920 and, and doing this in 1080p. But uh, as I, I don't know why I've never really thought about this, but as if you're watching the video, you'll see this. You notice there's there's color depth issues, and especially since I've added the Surface Studio behind me with the nice blue LEDs. Um, like this corner back here, as I was saying, you know, right before we started, is very dark, and it is absolutely not dark uh, in this room. It, it's a I think a dynamic range issue with the camera. More specifically, this desk right here is brown <laughs> and this is like cast iron metal it's a beautiful desk that i use for another podcast and you can't it looks like a black plank like you would see sticking off the ship of a pirate ship like and somebody's just going to go walking off that and just jump into the sea with uh, some sort of anchor around their ankles and to their death uh morbidness aside that shouldn't be black and that's that's kind of the issue with the camera and so i have a, a dslr the question is, I got to figure out how to rig it up. I mean, I have the stuff that we use for the other podcast, and I've got a Black Magic card, and maybe I can get it working that way. Um, nothing like adding a little bit of complexity to what we were doing. And then I have to put uh, the, the biggest issue I have is probably the weight. Because right now this camera is actually mounted on a C-clamp arm that swivels and all this stuff on my monitor. And obviously I don't want to mount probably about a three-pound, two to three-pound camera on my monitor Um yeah, so I got to get something to figure that out. We'll see. I I might experiment with it with it and hate my life and go right back to where I started. Somebody mentioned in the chat room, why don't I use the Brio 4K? That is actually a very good uh, question. I might, I might not, I might do that if it proves that it has better dynamic range. I would just hate to get it and have it realize that it's the same dynamic range as the camera I'm using now and have the same issue with the desk and all that stuff. Um, also, streaming in 4K is significantly harder, mostly because of the process intensiveness regarding that, and the file size will, will jump. 
on average, this podcast is about three to three and a half gigabytes uh, after it gets rendered and all that stuff and when I export it. And so going to 4K, I would expect that probably to at least double to six gigs, maybe eight gigs. And um, I don't know, I, I, maybe maybe that, I don't know. If, the, if I can't figure out the DSLR stuff, maybe I will go to that and we will see. And we will see if that uh, makes a difference. I guess what I should do is try it with the DSLR. And if it makes a big difference on that dynamic range, then I can move from there. And, you know, actually maybe upgrade this podcast a little bit more than I probably should. But anyways, uh, yeah, whatever. Um, you know, it's a hundred show, just random stuff that I've learned. You got to be consistent. Like if I skip a week, uh, it, it never works out well for the following week. Um, people get angry if you skip a week. Um, and it's you got to have fun. But I guess the best piece of advice I'd ever gotten doing any of this, and this was many, many years ago, is be interested and you'll be interesting. Basically, that boils down to just enjoy what you're doing and then people will hopefully enjoy listening to you talk about things that you like. And that's that's really just the kind of the, the difference between somebody who does something that they love and you can tell when somebody's doing something they don't like. If I won the lottery, I'd still be doing this. Uh, I mean, there's no ads in this. Somebody asked if I'd ever do a Patreon. Um, and I have really mixed feelings about that. Let explain why it's... I mean, I, I would be doing this if I won the lottery. I, I do this for fun. But here's here's the idea. Is that... Actually, I do run AdSense on here, but I, you make nothing from AdSense. I'm not in their premier video group, which you have to have like 100,000 followers or, or subscribers to get to that point to actually get like the decent ads. And so it's not the money aspect. And I also feel weird taking money from people from doing this since I do it for free. If I ever did set one up, what it would be for is to be able to buy stuff to review. Um, that's that's what it would be because not it's it's not possible to have relationships with every single vendor. And to get review units isn't always easy, just depending on what you want to do. Like, for example, I would love to test out some of the new, the new Xbox wireless headphones. But going to all those different companies, trying to get review units takes months at a time. And sometimes it truly is just easier to plop down 100 bucks and go buy one and just do it or whatever. Um, so that's how I would do it. And then I was like, hey, you know what would be a great idea is you set up a Patreon. Um, that way you can buy stuff to review and then just give it away. But the problem, you would have to give it away. I got in trouble with this at one point in my career. Uh, fun fact for you that if you set up a Patreon and then you buy something with that money and then you wanted to say, hey, I just want to give this away just to the people who contributed to it, that's gambling. Because what that is, even though you didn't intend it for it, people are paying money for you to help buy something for a potential chance at winning something. And that potential chance is gambling. And that's why you always see that no purchase necessary on everything ever given away for free or whatever because it's otherwise considered gambling. Um, so, you know, there you go. That's that stuff. So show 100. Let's dive in, shall we? I was actually going to have this somewhat as a scoop, but uh, other people figured it out today. Spotify is coming to the Xbox One. Uh, they've been working on this. Larry Herb actually accidentally was using it and then maybe not so much accidentally, but he was using it and then online and people were following him. And there it is. Uh, I knew this was coming. I actually learned about it uh, Monday. Sunday, this is some, I got a tip that says, hey, Spotify is coming to the Xbox uh, dashboard. What I don't truly know yet is if it's actually a UWP application, because right now what's in the store is a Centennial app, and I don't know what's running exactly on the Xbox One. I was just told that it's coming by somebody who knows about that stuff, and I don't know if it's UWP. I can't, it, It's dicey, because if it truly was UWP which would make sense, why didn't they wait to launch their their desktop app that they currently have as a UWP? 
but it's not. It's a Centennial app in the desktop store right now. So it wouldn't make sense as they build a UWP app and release it like six weeks later or four weeks later. It's not even been that long as UWP. So I don't quite know if they're bringing Centennial apps to the Xbox One. That would be extremely interesting, but we will have to find out. I, I don't have all that information. Uh, as much as I bash on Skype, they actually did some good stuff this week. I actually kind of like this. PayPal is now integrated into Skype. And so what you can do is you can now PayPal people money through Skype. You know, that's actually a pretty logical thing. People use it for small business and stuff. We use it for business. Um, Paul can send me money. You guys could send me money on Skype, but whatever. You can now use Skype to send money via PayPal. Uh, this seems like this has been a long road coming. I don't know why it took so long, but... But here you go. He can now do that with Skype, even though uh, that's a good thing about Skype. On the on the negative side, there was a small outage, I believe, effect impacting most of Europe or mostly Europe, uh, as I didn't have any issues on my end here in the States. But you know what? That's what uh, happened. And so uh, yesterday, yeah, yesterday afternoon, I believe, Raphael, who works with us over on Therat, uh a master of tinkerer. He's good at looking under the hood of windows and kind of finding things that aren't supposed to be there or aren't announced, but are coming soon. He found in groove. Remember the visual visualizations in windows media player for many, many eons ago stuff. That was awesome. I remember using this stuff. Uh, when is, was it back in 98 on windows 98? I can't remember exactly when that stuff was added. I, I'm almost positive it was on M E, but uh, those, those visualizations were kind of neat that, you know, you play music and they do things and it's whatever it's, effectively useless but it's kind of nice and people have been wanting these things to come back to groove and they are uh i can actually if you're watching the live stream here let's see this is one of them um it's just kind of like these little dot things and uh it'll actually form somewhat a resemblance of the cover art just kind of dancing around and then there is also this one that is kind of uh these are ribbons that kind of flow in some uh whatever currents but the little individual bands on those ribbons uh kind of dance to the music and, and right reflect the different beats and all that good stuff and so those are those are cool like these things are coming back to groove it this gives me this makes me happy for a couple of reasons. One, we've talked about Groove a lot here about if Microsoft should just kill it off. But based on this information that Raph was able to find out a couple other things that are coming, you can go check out his post, is Groove is not going away, right? Microsoft is keeping it there. Now, what would be nice is if they actually brought a free tier that was ad supported, which they don't currently have. And I know they don't have a family music plan right now, but uh, word on the street is that they will in the near future. So it's good to see Microsoft isn't abandoned in Groove and, uh, you know, the visualizations will be kind of neat. So uh, something else that came out this week is that Microsoft is supposedly building a touch cover for the iPad. At least, let me rephrase that. Somebody found documentation that Microsoft built a touch cover for the iPad, at least at one point. I don't believe there were any dates on there, but here's... Here's kind of my thing. First off, the touch cover that launched with the original Surface RT, and I think they had it with the Surface RT too, was horrible. Like it was supposed to be this, like it's it's literally just like a sheet of felt and there's little sensors in there and you can type on it, but it's like typing on a sheet of cardboard. It was very uncomfortable. It was only good for very basic tasks. Microsoft uh, discontinued it. They, I don't think they ever publicly said that, but it they don't make it anymore for obvious reasons because the type cover was so much better. And so a couple thoughts here. Maybe they're, re they're going to do touch covers as with their brand for the iPad, um, potentially. And they're going to revive that name just for that line of devices. I can't see them doing it uh, truly the same. It's got to be closer to type cover. I do know that the 
Apple's cover that they do sell for the iPad and iPad Pro and all that good stuff is garbage. It's terrible. It's not a good typing experience. Microsoft's type cover is a much better uh, typing experience. And I'm not just saying that because I like Microsoft generally a little bit more than Apple, but it's the, the type, the cover that Apple made is just not good. It's very un-Apple. Like it's not even pretty. Like usually Apple stuff is okay. It's pretty, but not so much functional. This thing is just kind of ugly and it's not super great. And so I could see that there being a market for this stuff because a lot of people want uh, a physical keyboard with their iPads. And so maybe Microsoft could build out a customized version for the iPad that maybe works well with their own apps. Maybe they have built-in hotkeys, they have things like that. And we already know they can build a thin and light keyboard with the type cover. And so maybe there really is something to this and that makes sense. Now, how and when are they gonna launch it? Not exactly sure. Maybe they'll launch it this fall. Maybe it's built uh, built specifically for Office, which that would actually make sense because if people are using this stuff for Office, Microsoft, you know, okay. If they're already using Office on iPad, Microsoft's kind of lost that user. Let's just be honest here. If they're if they're fully using Office at that point, yes, they might be. They're probably paying for Office 365, so they're not losing on that aspect. But it's like, you know what? Let's build them a keyboard that's designed for Office and you can get a little bit more money out of them. And so that, that logic tends to make sense. We will see if this materializes. This isn't the first time Microsoft has built a keyboard that works with other devices. They had a product called the Universal Keyboard. I have one around here somewhere um, that would actually, it had a little toggle on it. It was actually really neat. So it could toggle between Android, Windows, and iOS. And depending on where you put that switch is how the hotkeys would function. And so this isn't like completely unprecedented for Microsoft to build something like this. Uh, the question is, when is it going to arrive? What's it going to look like? We will likely find out in the near future if that, uh, I think it was like a government certification documentation, Windows winfuture.de uh, uncovered that. Uh, other things, Microsoft sort of kind of stopped offering the one terabyte Surface Book. So I got a tip from somebody that says, hey, uh, if you go on the Surface website, the one terabyte option is no longer there. And that is absolutely true. But it depends on kind of how you get to Microsoft's website. On some, there are ways to navigate to the site using non-direct links that still show the one terabyte option, but it is out of stock. I am of the firm belief that Microsoft is kind of, is winding down Surface Book. Let's let's be honest here. In October, it'll be two years old. It's still running Skylake. Uh, it's still running. The GPU is older. It's from the Skylake generation. It is time for this thing to get a refresh. I am hearing roughly October timeframe, which shouldn't come as a surprise. They launched the studio in October. They like to do October events. I think that's when the next generation of Microsoft hardware is going to show up. Uh, and the, that's the last that I had heard three months ago, four months ago was October. And I haven't heard anything different. And so uh, I, I suspect... If you look at Microsoft's timeline from what kind of makes sense, if they're going to launch the Fall Creators update, let's say in September, which Microsoft has publicly stated, that's nothing crazy. Around the time of October is when they should start having a lot of features into the next build or being able to actually show them off. And so the timing kind of makes sense for late September, sometime in October timeframe. And the reason why I don't think they might would have it like in middle middle September is because they have their other, they have a show called Ignite that is taking place in, and they don't want to muddy up that message. And I don't see them launching it at Ignite. That would be really weird. Uh, Microsoft typically has dedicated press events for their own hardware. So uh, I don't really have much else on the Surface Book yet. There's a, there was a rumor a long time ago that says, hey, they're trying to get rid of that teardrop shape. Why don't I have a Surface Book? That would have made this so much more entertaining. But rumor was they were trying to get rid of that teardrop shape. I don't know if that's true or false. I, I honestly just don't know. 
the reason why I hesitate saying it may not be true is because the Surface Laptop launched after that rumor came out, and that laptop did not have the teardrop shape, and so that the that the wires could have been crossed there. So I, I don't quite fully know, and I, I do tend to believe that when Microsoft launches the next Surface Book, it's going to be a super premium offering. Uh, they're going to let the Surface Laptop fill out the lower price points and say, hey, you know what, You can because you can spend up to 2200 bucks on a Surface Laptop. I bet the next Surface Book comes in starting at like 1800 bucks, and it's a dual GPU, uh, dual core setup, and then uh, at the high end, it's a dual GPU with a quad core setup would be kind of where I'm thinking how Microsoft is going to align this stuff. So, uh, speaking of Surface, Microsoft launched what's called the Surface Plus. They also have a Surface Plus plan for business. God, say that five times fast. And so, what this is, this is really a financing product modeling uh, from Microsoft that very much mimics what we are used to with the uh, cell phone industry or cell phone carriers. And so what this allows you to do is go buy a Surface, uh, I think any Surface for the consumer side, except for Surface Hub, not on the, you can't do that on the consumer side. So Surface Laptop, Surface Pro, Surface Book, and you can finance it for 24 months at 0% interest. So essentially it's a no interest loan. And what is nice about this product is that after 18 months, you can upgrade to the next hardware cycle. And so you, it's not a bad deal. Uh, as long as you don't mind paying monthly for this stuff. And I totally get it because some of these products like the high-end Surface laptops, they're expensive. Not everybody wants to splash down 2200 bucks on a high-end Surface laptop or a, a medium-spec Surface book. And so you can finance it over that period and pay like 50 between, I think it's like the lowest way you can finance one is like 35 a month uh, and then up to like $60 a month. So somewhere in there. And it makes it a lot easier. Plus you get that ability to upgrade. You get some other small benefits like in-store stuff. Uh, as usual with Microsoft, this is US only. So if you're outside of America or the United States, yep, not happening. Uh, I got nothing about if they're ever going to spread that. I think they're going to trial it here in the US to see if it works off. And so there you go. Uh, there is a plan for business. As I said, it's a slightly more flexible. You can arrange it to do it pay over 12, 18 or 24 months. Um, there is no penalty for paying it off early, especially since it's 0% interest. So uh, you have that. Also on the business offering, you can actually now finance a 55 inch Surface Hub. So if you want to spend, I think, what are they, eight grand now? If you really want one of those and you're a business user, you can now finance it through Microsoft directly and get a 55 inch hub, which those hubs are amazing. I've we, I've, I know I've said that we tried to get one for this wall, but it was too hard uh, and it was getting very expensive when we were doing that almost, a little over a year ago. So Surface Plus is out. That's... Uh, yeah, go check it out. Those, that web page is live. Uh, Microsoft also released another build of Windows this week with what's... I, this is a pretty cool thing. And so they have, it's built-in eye tracking. If you remember Steve Gleason, I believe is how you pronounce his last name. Uh, Microsoft did a big thing with the Ice Bucket Challenge and all that good stuff. And so now they're baking eye gaze technology into Windows 10. So what this allows you to do is you have the supported software. I believe it's called Toby. It's T-O-B-I-I. You can now use your eyeballs to move around Windows. Uh, it's a pretty neat accessibility feature. And so if you've ever wondered why Microsoft has been, they, Microsoft promoting the hell out of Excel accessibility um, through using 
when you're set up, it has now has Cortana screams at you, but that's good for people who are hard of seeing. They can now use their voice to set up windows. You have this stuff. If you didn't know, Satya Nadella actually has, uh, I believe, one disabled child. I don't know if he has two. But anyway, so that's what he's a big proponent of this stuff, which is awesome. And this is good for Microsoft. It's not only good publicity, it opens Windows 10, the door to more people, makes it more accessible. And uh, it's hard to say, you know what, this is a bad investment. I think it was a good thing. Uh, and so if you have that software or hardware, you can now go check it out. And when the fall creators update ship, you can use it. And so other things that were in this release are console colors. So if you're familiar with the console, Microsoft has updated the colors for the first time in 20 years. They just made them more vibrant, a little more, more modern. I mean, it, they made a big deal out of this and it's kind of fun, but it doesn't really add any value. It just makes it a little bit easier on your eyeballs. And then Edge. Edge finally is getting fluent design. So you can go check that out. And mobile gets nothing. That shouldn't come as a big surprise. Mobile is, uh, yeah, well, you know, mobiles is mobile. Um, other things that happened this week, if you run want to run Windows 10 S, it's now very easy to get. It's not only on MSDN. Microsoft has uploaded some offline, or not offline, but installer packages. So anybody can run Windows 10 S. If that's really your cup of tea, I do not recommend putting it on your main machine um, unless you unless maybe you're giving it to your parents or you are okay with living in that limited lifestyle. Um, but that is all out there. And so I want to, I want to dive in here for a real quick second. I don't, I'm sure I've talked about this before, but I am, I'm getting pretty excited about arm on windows. I've, I've been hearing things around the rumor block, but arm arm. For, okay. Let's jump back. So this, uh, not this quarter, next quarter, Microsoft and Qualcomm are going to be launching hardware devices. Maybe, maybe we see some of that in October. Maybe we see some of that in October. Uh, are going to be launching uh, Windows on ARM, right? We've not the Windows RT, but like true Windows on ARM with emulation and all that good stuff. And we also have Windows 10s. I don't quite know the whole story yet about a Windows 10s and Windows ARM if they're going to be related. But when I was talking with Andrew about this yesterday, it, it kind of dawned on me that Microsoft has a really interesting chance here with Windows on ARM to kind of reset Windows. Because you remember, Windows on ARM, uh, granted, it's not the first time they had Windows 10 Mobile, but this is the desktop side. They have a chance here to kind of reconstruct Windows because remember, everything is running in emulation. And so when everything's running in emulation, there's other things going on behind the scenes that Microsoft can now tinker with without screwing up the rest of Windows. And I could honestly see them uh, kind of rebuilding Windows right before our eyes. So when you're running Windows 10 on ARM devices, it's kind of hard to explain. You're running everything in a sandbox or container or an emulation layer, even though it's on the chip, it's still an emulation layer, which has the potential uh, for making things more secure, but it also gives Microsoft a new chance because everything's emulated. They can optimize the emulation. They can actually change some of the infrastructure of Windows on for ARM devices. Now it's going to be much more difficult to port that over to Intel devices initially, but that's where Microsoft could really start to modernize Windows, at least the core of it. And, um, I'm starting to get kind of excited that this is going to be a big change for Windows in a very much a positive direction. It's going to give them more flexibility because you got to remember there's some really old code in, in Windows 10. Uh, I mean, we're talking code like DLL files back from the 80s and 90s. Um, I, I had a friend at Microsoft who told me that he edited a DLL and it was still signed by Bill Gates as the last potential user of that file. Um, so there you go. There you go. I'm getting really excited about Windows 10 on ARM. I'm hoping that Microsoft will start to talk more about it. Um, 
we, we've already seen some impressive demos about them running Photoshop and all that stuff. I can only imagine that they are getting more excited. It might be, I, I've been hearing whispers that maybe it's not going to be running Snapdragon 835 because there's another chip coming out from Snapdragon. I want to say it's in the 4 series or uh, 845 potentially. Um, not positive on that yet. Still trying to figure that out, but there's a lot of power in that stuff. And I, I, I think I don't, don't underestimate Windows 10 on ARM this time around. So, all right, we got a bunch of good questions in this week. Uh, let's dive right in, shall we? So we got one from Kadupa. He says, uh, Brad, got a couple questions for you. What is the point of Skype Lite? So Skype Lite, without even reading, well, the rest of it that says, it's supposed to be a message dialer replacement for Android, but it's just as bad and hopeless. So when will the Skype team... Uh, yeah, so Skype Lite, per my understanding, was not designed for the mass market. It is designed for low connectivity situations. Uh, I believe specifically for India was where Skype Lite came out for. So uh, why is Microsoft Edge still bad? Uh, let's qualify that statement. Edge, at least in starting with the Fall Creators update, isn't as bad as it used to be. Edge is finally starting to come into its own right. I, I will give them all the credit for that. Microsoft has finally, um, you know, with each iteration, it gets a little bit better. Uh, but his point is, you know, Firefox and Chrome keep proving, but Edge can't catch up. Well, we all know this story. The reason why Edge can't, can't catch up is because it doesn't get serviced outside of Windows updates. Technically, Microsoft can push updates to Edge outside of the store or outside of the large updates, but now with two large updates a year, I think they're just kind of settling on, you know what, we're going to update Edge twice a year, and that's it. Although I wish that they would go truly move Edge to the store for a couple reasons. One, to show that Microsoft really does care about the store, and two, once it's in the store, it can be serviced at any point. They don't have to wait for these large updates. So, um... And then his last question is, when will Microsoft replace random numerical error codes such as 00x00588952 with proper messages? I don't know. Um, I don't know if they ever will. They, I mean, they could, but to be honest, those error messages are just as helpful, um, potentially even more specific. If they replace it with proper messaging codes, I, this is getting into crash scenarios, and so that's a little outside of my knowledge base exp explicitly when a driver crashes something like that and so these error codes are actually pretty specific and that's what maybe why they're still using numbers um, because you can just go throw it in the bing and, and find out whatever it is uh peter k says if i sideload windows 10 s on my laptop can i use the office 365 centennial apps on my laptop no <laughs> that's a really simple one uh the reason i know that is because uh this surface pro back here i have windows 10 s on it and i cannot use those apps and so unless they have changed it within the past probably 72 hours i believe you have to be on a surface laptop to be able to get those uh Ilya asks he says intel killed atom chips designed for tablets and phones last year they basically killed the sub 12 inch tablet windows uh, market. I keep hearing about Windows 10 S and about new x86 emulation and Snapdragon. Will this renew the small tablet markets like the Dell Venue 8 Pro or the Surface 3? Very good question. I don't know. Um, the reason why I, I hedge on this is I, I, and somebody's going to say, I would love an 8-inch tablet. I, I don't dispute that there are some of you that would. The problem is, is that market never really materialized into anything of significance, right? I, there were a lot of 8-inch tablets, and I can guarantee you that if any company thought that there was money to be made there, they would figure out how to make them. And the thing that, the thing that kind of really pushes me off to this is that Apple isn't even really playing in there. Their iPad mini, yes, it's gotten some updates, but it's, it's stagnated quite a bit. And so if Apple's not selling them, I, I strongly suspect that 
Microsoft, or at least vendors, are not going to sell Windows-based 8-inch tablets. And so, yeah, I, I don't think that market materialized too well. And when they did, <laughs> and when it did, it uh, the margins were terrible. Um, I had a quote, uh, I don't think I can say it, about what the margins were on these small devices. And they were, you had to sell them in such high volume that it never really made sense. Uh, and Game On asks, at the last question, he says, what's next for Microsoft hardware, which could not be the more most open-ended question, but it's a very, very, very good one. You know, the things to get excited about inside the Microsoft world right now are Windows on ARM, which I just kind of talked about, uh, Surface Book Refresh, which I believe is coming here. I, I don't know if they're going to refresh the studio. I, I would hope that they would with a solid-state architecture, because that would make that thing so much more faster. Um, just, and they don't have to do like a redesign or anything, just quite literally just update it, uh, update the silicon and get rid of that spinny hard drive that's inside of there. Um, there's some sort of surface, small form factor device. Those are kind of the big, big things that I'm looking forward to. I don't know if they're all going to arrive before the end of the year, specifically that, that surface mobile type device, but that's, those are the, that's, that's what's on the horizon. And then there's HoloLens too, but that's a little bit further out specifically i'm last i heard was late 2018 for a for a developer unit and possibly early 2019 for a potential consumer facing product and so yeah that's that stuff you guys that is that stuff man it has been uh it, i was like thinking this was a pretty quiet week in the world of microsoft but it really wasn't and i I'm watching really closely to try to figure out when Microsoft is going to sign off on Redstone 3, the the fall creators update, which by the way, my machine currently still does not have the creators update. If the fall creators update comes out and I still don't have the creators update, then I'm going to force it to the fall creators update because that's two generations of enhancements that I will want on this machine. Not to mention, I know it's completely pointless, but I do kind of like the fluent design stuff. It, it adds absolutely no value, but it kind of just, it's just pretty, right? Just kind of pretty. But um, that's kind of the next big thing. I think the next big milestone about Windows, is it's got to be that. Now, other things that happened, too, was that I haven't verified this, is that Microsoft offered the skip ahead. If you don't know what that is, watch last week's show. But supposedly they're not letting anyone else opt into the skip ahead branch anymore. I don't know if this was some sort of mistake and now they're trying to backtrack. But I don't think anybody new can sign up for skip ahead. And maybe they got the population that they wanted. They want skip ahead to be the tightest ring because it's the most... Er, most unstable and so maybe it goes skip ahead and then fastering and whatever but it'd be kind of nice if they would give some transparency about why they're no longer letting people opt into the uh into the skip ahead branch so anyways that's about it for this week guys uh tip of the week redstone 3 is getting pretty stable if you've been thinking about you know opting into the fastering now is probably not a bad time to do it you're going to get some rapid fire builds that aren't going to add any new features we already know that but it's getting pretty stable so now would be a good time to opt in if you really want that stuff and then you can jump out again just don't do the skip ahead branch even though you probably can't get into it you can uh <laughs> you can opt in now and as george roberts uh just pointed out in the chat he said maybe they turned off the skip ahead because they need people to test the current release which is a very fair statement they do need people to actually verify that the current branch that is about to get released is actually indeed good and if everybody jumped to that forward ahead branch their 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 pool of testers is going to get quite small and don't get me wrong microsoft knows exactly 
how many people they have that are actively testing this stuff. And so they certainly want the largest population in RS3 uh, as they can get. So with that being said, guys, have yourselves a wonderful weekend. It's, uh, you know, we're, we're entering into the second half of the year here. And I think things are about to get interesting again in the world of Microsoft, at least in the next couple months. And so have yourselves a wonderful weekend.